everybody, we're back here at episode number 12, direct follow-on from episode number 11 here in the Health Labs Base Camp Climb. We're in week number three. If it's a few, a few days or maybe a week or two since you have listened to the previous lesson, episode number 11, we are carrying on with the third framework in module number two. I'm going to make sure I get that correct. So we've already been through the influencer framework, and I think it was the impact quadrant. This one is called the molecular benefit map. It's a short explanation. It's designed not to be a huge amount of detail, but enough to get you understanding what it is that you'll be getting a hold of when you take on the full health lab, when you download access to the classroom and you get the health technology that goes with the rest of the components of the health lab. So the last episode was going for a bit too long. I think we're up to about 34 minutes. And I wanted to shorten that up so that we didn't make it like an hour long. So this is uh, episode number 12 here is the finish off of the final framework of critical diagram in module number two, because there's three in each one. And then in tomorrow's episode, we move into the next three critical diagrams, three critical frameworks in module number three. Okay, let's go transition now to the last one in module number two. Hey, everybody. Welcome back here to critical framework, critical diagram number six in the PE Teachers Health Lab. And if you've been following along, if this is your first episode, remember there are 18 critical diagrams across six different modules, base camp frameworks, adaptations, feedback, action, and science. We're going to dive into what is probably the most complex out of all of the critical frameworks. I said this in the last episode, and I want to reiterate this right from the beginning. Of all the critical diagrams that exist inside my PE Teacher's Health Lab, which is just having this phenomenal response as we, un- as we unveil it or roll it out to the different segments of industry around Australia and also certainly in other countries and listeners to our, to our um, podcast, which is now in 85 countries and 1,000 cities or over 1,000 cities. So the statement that I made was this diagram that we're going to walk you through today, the molecular benefit map, and the previous one called the impact quadrant, and the previous one before that, the influencer framework. You can listen to those five to 10-minute episodes, but this one, the molecular benefit map, we may even spread this over two episodes because it is the most complex, but here's the statement. It will change your physical health destiny. And I'll describe what I mean by physical health destiny again. No matter where you are in the world. So if I look at listeners for my actual uh, podcast, for the show that that I record now uh, around the world, we have listeners in places all over the planet. And if I look at the, the, the last episode itself, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different places that that particular episode was was listened to listened to in, so to speak. And places like there's 35 different places here in Australia that were the last episode, the impact quadrant was listened to. And there were places in the uh, United Kingdom, places in, um, where was it, Iraq. Um, here we go. Here are some of the countries, Ireland. India, Hong Kong, Japan, Germany, Canada, Finland, Saudi Arabia, Iraq. It's just no matter where you are in the world, 
You as a listener have a physical health destiny. So do the people that you care for. And if you're like me, you teach people, you are responsible for their outcomes in terms of their deep engagement and deep knowledge. The molecular benefit, so everyone has a physical health destiny and the molecular benefit map will either, if you don't learn this and you don't deep dive into it inside the PE teacher's health lab, you will end up in a position where you go down this pathway where you go into what headlong into what I call the disease funnel. That is, I think, the second critical diagram in our five, in these five-minute lessons. And I'll take you back to my, my life example. When my father passed away from a sudden massive heart attack, age 46, I did not know at the time that there were molecular health adaptations that were negative inside his body that were happening in 1988, happening in 1987, happening in 1986, happening in 1985, happening in 1984, the year I graduated from high school in the 12th grade, happening in 1983 when I was in the 11th grade. Australia won the America's Cup yacht race, the first country to ever do so in a 120-year history, I think it was. Back in 1982, when I was in the 10th grade, there were negative molecular health adaptations happening inside his body as a result of the incorrect dose of physical activity. Why was that happening? Go back and listen to the very first critical diagram, critical framework, the trap framework in this five-minute series. If he had got a hold of the molecular benefit map and gone through the, at least even these five-minute episodes and then realized, hey, there are things happening inside my body that are negatively changing the structure and function of my blood vessel network and my heart that could cause my imminent death. That could He could have learnt the molecular benefit map in 1984, but this critical framework wasn't around then. This learning tool wasn't around. He could have learned about the previous diagram, the impact quadrant. So let me walk you through what this diagram is because if you learn it and if you internalize it and have what I call deep engagement with it and then dive into the rest of the lab, you'll understand how to prevent some of these things from happening. So in front of me, the molecular benefit map, I've got eight different, looks like the symbol for a Google map or an Apple map. So the the icon, if you like. So on the on these eight different uh, symbols, icons that look like a map, here are the headings underneath. I'm not going to explain all of the headings, but I will explain one. Endothelial function. I talked a little bit about that in the impact quadrant in the last episode. Left ventricle volume, stroke volume, cardiac fibrosis. I'm going to talk about that in this five-minute episode. Mitochondria, cardiac hypertrophy, electrophysical properties, and there's one more here, but I've put cardiac fibrosis when that's wrong, so I've got to change that diagram because there's not two cardiac fibrosis. So let me go to giving you the critical learning skill. What happens if you have the incorrect dose of physical activity? Remember, in one of the coming up frameworks that we're going to talk about in these five-minute episodes, I'm going to walk you through in five minutes what is the correct dose of physical activity for you personalized, personalized to you. 
and personalized to anyone that you teach, not just generic statements, but personalized. Come back to that. So that's the link. So let me just walk you through now this term, cardiac fibrosis. Cardiac fibrosis, I'm going to do a little bit of reading here and, and an explanation around it. Cardiac fibrosis is a common feature in diseased hearts. Remember, you can have a diseased heart long before you feel it. So cardiac fibrosis, a common feature in diseased hearts with many etiologies, that's many uh, variations. It results from the excessive accumulation of something called extracellular matrix proteins, particularly collagen, which leads to a myocardial stiffening and electrophysical abnormalities. Let me just pull it up here for a second before I keep going with this brief explanation. Think about the heart muscle and the wall of the heart muscle. So we know that there are chambers inside there and they fill up with blood and then the heart squeezes and it pumps blood out around the body. Cardiac fibrosis is like a collagen, right? If you want to liken it to something, it's a little bit like um, the plaque on your teeth. Let's just, I'll just use that. But instead of forming little clumps, it forms like a mesh inside the wall of your heart. I never knew this. I never knew cardiac fibrosis was a thing. So an extracellular matrix protein, particularly collagen, right, forms this like ever, – have you ever seen concrete poured? When you pour concrete – I did this with my dad growing up, actually. We built our driveway – what you do is you dig out the driveway and you lay down um, a wire mesh across the gravel before you pour the concrete because it keeps the concrete stiff over a long period of time. Well, guess what? A diseased heart that has had the incorrect dose of physical activity over a long period of time, from 20 to 25, 25 to 30, 30 to 35, 35 to 40, and so on, begins to form this mesh like the mesh that goes into a concrete driveway or any concrete. And then what that does is it causes, it says here, myocardial stiffening. Myocardial is a term for heart muscle. So you get a dysfunction in the ability of your heart to squeeze out blood, and this is bad because it leads to things like having death of the heart muscle tissue. They call it um, myocardial infarction. So maybe not the whole heart, just a portion of it before you get a major heart attack. You can get things like there's another disease called dilated cardiomyopathy, which is another dysfunction of the heart. You can get hypertension, high blood pressure, as a result of cardiac fibrosis. Now, in the medical literature, it says capital A-E-T. It means attenuated exercise therapy. It, in, real, in, in lay terms, the correct dose of physical activity has been shown to attenuate cardiac fibrosis and what's called the pathology of cardiac fibrosis causing the dysfunction of your heart muscle, meaning you can't pump properly. And that can lead to myocardial infarction. That's the medical name for heart attack. So walking this through in a step-by-step process, 
I want you to understand cardiac fibrosis is a molecular change, negative molecular change inside the wall of your heart muscle, like a mesh, like a protein mesh, extracellular uh, matrix that lays in the wall of the heart muscle. How do you prevent it? From the correct dose of physical activity. That's a simple explanation. Here's what I want to do. I thought this would be pretty interesting. I got to interview a professor from Duke University called Professor William E. Krauss. Now, Professor Krauss is one of the most interesting people. He is a preventative cardiologist and a research cardiologist, one of the most respected and revered medical professors in research. So William E. Krauss, you can look up his name, at Duke University in North Carolina in the United States. He has some of the most renowned uh, peer-reviewed publications and accurate medical research of any professor in the world. So I got to interview him. I want to attach to this episode about three or so minutes of that interview so you can make the link between not getting cardiac fibrosis and not developing it as one section of this molecular benefit map, and then I'll come back and finish it up. So let's listen to a short section of my interview with Professor William E. Krauss from Duke University, a preventative cardiologist. So sedentary behavior is also a risk factor. So you see this linear correlation between the disease development and the level of physical activity in their life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, in 1996, the American Heart Association um, uh, declared physical inactivity as a major major cardiovascular risk factor, only second to hypertension. Yeah. And, you know, so my background is in as a health and phys ed teacher here in Australia is simply looking, I work with teenagers. And yeah. what, what got me on to starting my podcast, this show, The New Science of Physical Health is, about 10 years ago, I sat with a 10th grade student because in Australia, weirdly, we finish physical education in 10th grade. So they go to the 12th grade, but they finish it in the 10th grade. Like it's mental. So I asked this 10th grade student, and she was the brightest student I'd ever taught. And she has a, uh, an African background, and, um, and she was just brilliant at school. And I said to her, I won't mention her name, but I said to her, I'll call her Alice, do you know how to use physical activity to create health adaptations to drive down your risk of the biggest killer, cardiovascular disease? And she's so bright. She said, let me go and think about it. She didn't go and look at Google. I watched her go and sit down and write some things down. And she comes back to me and she says to me, I don't know how to do it. And she said, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know the steps. And she, and she was in the 10th grade, so 16 years old. And she didn't know. And that's when I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. Whatever my industry has done, it's I see them on a conveyor belt straight down into cardiovascular disease. Is that that the perception you get? Yeah, and and it's even worse. We have a program uh, here at Duke that I started a number of years ago called called Sports Medicine Forward. Uh, otherwise called post-competitive athletic health. So what I observed is that I was seeing people who played college football 
yeah. when they were in their 50s with bad diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, and sedentary behavior. Wow. And what I came to realize doing sports cardiology here at Duke is the what we call Division One NCAA athletes here at Duke yep, yep. have these personal train or uh, athletic trainers. Yeah. And the athletic trainers take care of everything. They mm-hmm. they tell them when to sleep. They tell them when to eat. They tell them what to eat. They yeah, take yeah. them to the they make the appointments for them for the doctors. They take them to the doctors. I mean, basically, these kids that don't know anything about hiking, taking care of themselves. And so yeah, they're, they're, they're almost pro athletes. Right. And then the pros are also a problem, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, you can look at, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, or, absolutely. Yeah. Or uh, Charles Barkley. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And realize that they could have done with some education. So yeah. the point of this program is actually to help them transition from being competitive to non-competitive athletes. So isn't that um, thing that you see not just the general population having a disengagement with his physical activity, this is how it lowers risk, but you see the pro athletes, most of them doing the same thing. Right, exactly. That that just, it blows my mind, like that story about that girl where they literally in Australia, and I know I've spoken with, um, do you know who Professor Ulrich Wisloff is? Oh, yes. Okay, so oh, yeah. I've, I've interviewed with Ulrich. Okay. That whole interview is available in different sections of the lab. He is just a delightful, delightful human being. I found him to be really gen, um, uh, generous with his time, v- incredibly knowledgeable. I mean, this man has been researching this area for so long, and I want to get his work out to you. But more than anything, this, this deep-held passion and belief and obsession like me to be able to have an impact on your life and the life of people that you care for so that you do not get or develop cardiac fibrosis, other parts of the molecular benefit map, which are negative molecular health adaptations that cause a negative structural change in your blood vessel network and your heart muscle, so that you're not at risk from the number one cause of sickness, disease, and death cardiovascular events. Now you know just a tiny bit of the molecular benefit map. But the overall summation here is this. Before we lead into the next module, where I'm going to talk more about adaptations and and the correct dose of physical activity and all those things, and the next set of three frameworks, the conclusion, the summary is this. Having a heart attack, having a stroke, having other forms of precursor cardiovascular events is not an accident. It doesn't just roll up on you one day and then all of a sudden, like my father, you just die of a heart attack. That does not happen. To us on the outside world who have no understanding of the deep molecular and physiological adaptations that happen negatively if you have the incorrect dose of physical activity and Positively, if positive molecular and physiological health adaptations, if you have the correct dose of physical activity, can't wait to get to that part of the lab for you in these episodes. If you have, we don't know that those things exist. That's the reason I wanted to create these 18 critical diagrams. We've gone through three of the most important, but I've only touched on them, haven't gone in depth to them. 
I so much want you to have deeper engagement with them. I so much want you to have deeper knowledge. I want you to wake up like I do and and know that the correct dose of physical activity has a significant impact on your physical health destiny. I've got a book out, an audio book called Drive Up Your Heart Health. It matters to somebody. And on the cover is myself and my son when he was a bit smaller. My son's in the seventh grade, as I record this, but when he was a bit younger. And it's a lovely picture. But my heart health does matter to him as much as it matters to me. So that's why I want to teach this stuff. That's why I'm obsessed with it. Can't wait to share with you in the next episode when we get to critical diagram number seven. And I know these lessons are a little bit longer than five minutes, but they're just so interesting and fascinating. These are the shortest versions I can do of them. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. See you at the next critical diagram here in these five-minute or approximate five-minute lessons. Bye for now.